0: Hey, everybody, it is time for Otto to continue with the ranking. Hello, everybody. We are back. This is episode 11. And once again, folks, I think I'm going to be switching things up. Before I continue my. Endless task of ranking all the greatest games of all time, at least according to me, because they're in my collection, so I certainly think they're the greatest of all time. Before we continue with that, with the cliffhanger from last episode, CO2 versus Voyages, I've been thinking long and hard about how to make this a sustainable show. It's interesting. I've asked several times, because this is episode 11, I've asked several times for the audience to weigh in, would you rather me drill deep um, on these games as I've been doing for? for, I don't know, the last six or seven episodes, you know, spending upwards of three to five minutes describing these each of these games before I actually get to the, well, I choose this one for this reason, or would folks rather see more games in fewer time, where I just kind of give a brief intro to each of them and then make the choice. And pretty much universally, uh, the response has been mixed. About 50-50 of people who want more games faster, please, than people who want the deep dives. And so, I have to admit, I've been erring towards the deep dives because that's just kind of what I tend to do. I tend to waffle and ramble. I'm literally doing it right now, and I know this about myself. But then I ran into a problem. I started noticing over the last couple of episodes that the ranking engine from PubMeeple, which is a fantastic site, you can follow the links down in the show notes if you ever want to play with this yourself, has this weird quirk where I thought it was going to um, present every single game in my collection to compare. And once it's gotten that baseline, then it would start repeating. But it just started repeating much Sooner. <clears throat> and I quickly realized, oh no, I don't want to get into a situation where every time CO2 comes up, I give another five-minute description of what it is. And so, last episode, I tried an experiment where I literally recorded myself just ranking a bunch of games, and then, once I had that, I went and checked which games had already gotten descriptions and which games hadn't. So then, I could watch a recording of myself ranking these games, pause, and only give descriptions where they were needed. And... That kind of went off the rails very quickly for folks who uh, caught that episode. And when I sat down to try and do it again this week, or I guess I do this every two weeks, I I can't keep that up. I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't. And I don't want to, and I certainly can't remember which games I've given big descriptions to and which games I haven't. So folks, I think it is time to damn the torpedoes and we're going full speed ahead. I'm switching back to the way I started this. The first few episodes of The ranking, I was quick I was snappy, and I ended up covering you know twice as many games in the same amount of time. And I think that's what I need to do to be able to keep moving forward on this. But now, for the folks who want deep dives, who want to know more about these games, here's the deal. For every game, I'm going to try and give a sentence or two. We'll see if this works, if I can stifle my urges to just go deep on games. Um, Just a quick summary of them, and then I'll make my decision and describe why I made the decision. And if those summaries or that information piques your curiosity, folks, down in in the show notes of this video, there will be a di- direct link to um, the video run-throughs I did for these games originally. I've pretty much covered all these games. Wherever possible, I'll put the I'll links to the final thoughts. So, hey, if you were uh, if you were interested in that and to know more, oh, there's the link to the final thoughts, and you can hear me talk about that game for 5, 10, 15 minutes. So... I'm basically putting all the work on you, but I think this is going to be the best way going forward, and it also means I can just talk about more games. Although I certainly haven't done that yet, have I? We're almost four minutes in, and I've yet to start going. So, Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Wish me luck. Let's give this a try. When last we left our hero, I was about to rank CO2 versus Voyages. CO2 um, from Vita Lasarda, one of my favorites, of uh, the first one of his I ever played, and a game all about um, power company magnates trying to change their ways to focus more on green energy production to literally save the Earth, because the interesting thing is, it is a semi-cooperative game. We're all competing to be the best, but if we just all stick to making dirty power, we'll literally destroy the world and everybody loses. So there come points in this uh, competitive game where we have to work together and put our animosity aside for the greater good. And I love that. That's what's always made CO2 special. Plus, CO2 Second Chance introduced a very well-considered cooperative mode as well for people who would like that. Meanwhile, Voyages is a wonderful roll-and-write that was put out as part of crowdfunding where, hey, if you just put I forget what it was five or six bucks down you are subscribing to this game and every once in a while we will release a new map that you can because this is a print-and-play game. Maybe someday it'll be boxed up all the stuff into one box and if it does I will certainly grab it. But in the meantime, I'm judging it as a subscription service where every once in a while, you can get a new map. The last thing they dropped was several months ago where they introduced a campaign mode, which was very, very cool. And um, I just found out after last last episode that they are continuing. Another map is coming soon. So that's very exciting. And folks, I'm already failing. That was very deep, but we'll see how it goes. Anyway, of these two, which one is it going to be It's going to be Second Chance. Uh, It's got to be Mister. uh, Because this is one of my favorite Losardo games, and I love the story it tells. I am judging these. If I could only own one of these two games, which one would it be? And that's something I've waffled on a lot in the past, too. How do I rank these? I think moving forward, it's always going to be, if I could only own one, which one would it be? And, of course, it would be CO2 Second Chance. It's a deep, rich game. It can play cooperatively or competitively. And uh, it's just fantastic. Let's move on to the next choice. Okay, we've got Botanic, a Botanic versus King Domino Duel. So, Botanic is a two-player dueling game, uh co-designed by the designer, can't think of his name, which is why I shouldn't spend much time on it, of Uh, Jaipur. And this is a brilliant game where we're facing... One of these kind of battle line games where we're facing off on opposite sides of a battle line um, drafting tiles to build up our own botanical garden uh, complete with getting water to the plants and all of that. But the thing that makes it beautiful is the choices I make directly affect you on the other side of the battle line because we can put um, tiles we're not ready for in a queue. And eventually those tiles will come to us. But that might happen because I want to happen or it might happen because you make it come to me when I'm not ready for it. It's a brilliant little game. Um, very quirky, very offbeat, and really kind of under the radar. I highly recommend everybody seek it out. King Domino Duel is a roll-and-write version of King Domino, the hugely successful kind of gateway-ish um, uh, domino tile laying game that turns it into a very um, solid a two-player. Again, this is a two-player duel duel, and um, it works really nice. And the coolest thing about it is because it's a roll-and-write, you're literally creating creating your dominoes as you go out of the dice that get rolled. So I like them both quite a bit. If I could only own one, you know what? I've been seeing so many cool examples of the king. The other thing about King Domino is it's very brilliant <clears throat> turn order tile drafting system. I'm seeing that pop up so much. Whereas, but Bo- botanic is so different, so unique, so fresh, not like anything else out there. I think I'm going to have to give the nod to botanic. But then King Domino Duel sticks around for another fight against Tobago. And you know what, folks? I recently got rid of Tobago. So I'm going to have to remove this from the list right now. haven't really used it much yet, but there is a garbage can. But I'll still give Tobago its duel. This is a brilliant uh, game where players are racing to find a buried pirate treasure. Modern-day players with Jeeps are driving around a tropical island trying to find all this treasure. But we do it through this very, very cool communal card play system where we play cards to a pile that determines where the treasure is going to be. And my card might say you know what? This treasure is within three spaces of water. And you might say this treasure is not within jungle. And as the more cards get played, the more um, narrow it down it is to where it's going to be. And we're trying to narrow down these treasures so they're close to our jeep, so we can get them for other players do. It's cool. It's clever. I like it quite a bit, but it is kind of on the lightweight side. And I, th- I think I got rid of it in part because Jan and I decided we're kind of done with... I mean, I, I love the map building part of the game. I love the components of this game. Oh my gosh, some of the best components of all time. But the board traversal part, which is still half the game, is less interesting. And I'm always having to try to make room on my shelf. So Tobago recently went goodbye. So I'm removing it from the ranking process, which changed everything. Okay, let's move on then. Um, to Star Trek missions versus Expedition to Newdale. Star Trek Missions is uh, a Star Trek The Next Generation themed remake of Fantasy Realms. And Fantasy Realms is another hugely popular competitive card game where on your turn, you you play a card and you draw a card. Play a card, draw a card. And... I, the, you know eventually, the game will end and the cards you have in your hand, because you're constantly getting rid of cards and getting new cards, and when you draw a card, you could draw blind, or you could draw from all the cards that players have been putting out on the table, because they're constantly having to get rid of cards. You're trying to sculpt the perfect hand to get multiple points. Fantasy Realms is brilliant, and honestly, I like Star Trek Missions more, because it's more complex than Fantasy Realms, and it's Star Trek, so my wife loves it too. All that versus Expedition to Newdale, which is from designer Alex Pfister. And Alex Fister years ago, did a very simple little fast-playing engine building game called Oh My Goods, or Royal Goods. Had two different names, depending on where you got it from. Uh, I think it's more widely known as Oh My Goods. And that was a very, very cool little deck of cards uh, turned into an engine builder. Exped with oh, some very very fun uh, interesting uh, push your luck elements. Expedition to Newdale takes oh my goods and blows it up into a big modern Euro production with um uh you know a board and a campaign game. You can play through multiple chapters and a whole bunch of extra stuff while still keeping that core push your luck meets engine building game. So I can only keep one of these. Ooh, that is hard. Oh! Uh. Um, okay. This is the hardest one yet. I want to keep both of these games. Interestingly, Star Trek Missions went through a epic calling thing where I got rid of Fantasy Realms and Red Rising and Marvel Crisis, the other three games that are Fantasy Realm-esque, and that one made it to the top. But I love Alexander Fisher games, and I'm more anything else, I love when Alexander Fisher does storyline stuff where you can play through multiple chapters and the world changes and the and adds new rules and old rules go away wow i'm going to go with expedition of new deal and it's that last thing it's that campaign play i am all i'm such a huge fan of bringing um narrative, overarching metagame into games I love. They make me want to go back and play it more, so it's going to go to Expedition of New Deal, but that was a super hard one. Okay, then we got Paperback uh, versus Welcome to the Moon. Paperback is uh, famously the game that combined uh, deck building a la Dominion with word building a la Scrabble and created a beautiful hybrid game that has recently gotten a wonderful 10th Anniversary Edition with a whole bunch of new features in it. I don't have that yet, so I'm judging this on regular Paperback instead of uh, Paperback 10th Anniversary Edition, which would be even more important for me to keep. That goes up against "Welcome to the Moon," <clears throat> which recently made my uh, updated top ten must-haves list. Because if I could only own one and write in the whole world, it would be "Welcome to the Moon," um, which you know builds on the "Welcome to." Uh, series of roll-and-rights, which are all about trying to make a perfect suburbia uh, through bingo-style card drafting. It's not roll-and-right, it's a flip-and-right. But regardless, random-and-right. The thing about Welcome to the Moon is it took Welcome to and so elevated it because uh, this game, uh, has you go through, I forget, it's like six or eight different boards where you can play um, you I mean you can play through again a big epic story campaign with branching paths your choices make differences as you go- tell the story of people leaving Earth going to the moon dealing with problems on the moon and all kinds of stuff happens over multiple sessions and yeah. Uh, just like before, that uh, that storyline that can um, take me through multiple games. But don't worry, folks, it's not a legacy. It's just a campaign game. You can play. You can just play any one individual mission of Welcome to the Moon you want, or you can go back over and over again. All that means I gotta pick Welcome to the Moon. I'm sorry, paperback. If this were 10th anniversary paperback, it would have been a tougher fight. Okay. Escape, Curse of the Temple versus Pandemic. Okay, Escape, Curse of the Temple is probably to date still the uh, most successful real-time board game that tries to capture the feel of a high-tension video game, and yet with cardboard and dice, as we roll as fast as we can to explore a temple that is uh, crumbling all around us, get rid of cursed gems so we can find the escape and cooperatively get out. I love it. It's so my wife's top ten of all time. It's absolutely fantastic, and it's that versus Pandemic, uh, the game that got me and Jen into a uh, hobby board gaming. I don't think I need to describe Pandemic at all. I think everybody knows about that. So if I could only own one, and by the way, this instance of Pandemic on this list actually references all of Pandemic, and uh, you know, because I, when I do these, I'm basing it on everything in my collection. Escape Curse of the Temple has got. You know, over a half-decade's worth of really cool expansion content. So much stuff, but that's going up against Pandemic, which includes Pandemic Legacy, it includes um, you know the uh, the the Hot Zone games, the uh, the oh the Fall of Rome and Iberia. So much more. I would definitely keep my Pandemic collection over my Escape Curse of the Temple collection. Okay, Arion versus Amon Re, the card game. So, Arion is a, uh, is a small little card game that is really designed to be played solo, but it has a good two-player mode as well, where players are in the abstract Oniverse, and we are trying to... What is, oh, we're trying to... Are we trying to... No, I'm thinking of... St- Stellarion is the one I've more recently played. Arion, Arion. I remember the big kite... Oh, this is the Yahtzee. This is Oniverse meets Yahtzee, and it's brilliant. Right, I remember it now, and it's the best the Oniverse series has ever been. If I could only keep one game from the Oniverse series, a beautiful little solo two-player, uh, you know, uh, surreal art, uh, smart puzzle games, it would be Aeon because it does uh, it does the push your luck uh, dice rolling of Yahtzee in a way I've never seen before, and it's freaking brilliant. That's going against Amon Ray the Card Game, which is from designer Reiner Knizia, and it's a simplified version of one of his all-time great auction games. And one of the most beautiful things about it is while Amon Ray, the original, didn't work well for two, Amon Ray the Card Game works beautifully for two. And it's kind of interesting because it borrows some of the ideas from several of his different things and smushes them all together. It's a uh, an auction game where we're bidding on cards to try to build up our best version of Ancient Egypt, and um, everybody knows what everybody can bid with and what we can bid with is constantly changing so it's kind of got raw vibes but it's got vibes from other games as well it's really cool i've covered both of these so if you want to know more about them links for both of them are down in the show notes i'll dig die, dive deep I'm, I'm i'm failing folks i need to go faster so far i've not been full speed ahead but if i were to pick one of these if i could only own one i should go with Amon ray because it can play multiple players whereas this is only a solo or two player game but i have to admit I think I'm gonna go with Arion uh, because I like rolling dice at the end of the day with meaning and purpose more than uh, dealing with cards. And you know, it, it, this is a bit, bit more live and let live, where this is you know, it's an auction game, so it is kind of on some level a little bit aggressive. All auction games are. So if I had to, I think I'd go with Arion over Almond Ray. But then Capo de Copy shows up up against Almond Ray, the card game. Capo de Copy is a wonderful... It's another little uh, two-player game where players are facing off on uh, opposite sides of a battle line. It is an area-control game set in Prohibition-era, mobster-filled New York as we are trying to take control of speakeasies, of the local grocery store, of the mayor's office, all kinds of things by uh, doing a very simple, really beautiful roll-a-couple-dice and try to decide how I'm going to deploy them uh, for getting area control on these different areas that give me access to different powers and whatnot. And, I mean, it is definitely a, a head-to-head battle of wits. No two ways about it. And it's absolutely brilliant from Stephen, One of his greatest designs ever. And here's the deal, folks. Jen and I tend not to keep area control games. And this is a very in-your-face uh, you know, move-counter-move-type area control game, and yet we keep it because we both love it. So that speaks so highly of it. But at the end of the day, it is a fairly aggressive game, and if I can only keep one, I'd probably go with Amon Ray the card game because it's a little bit less aggressive. Okay, and, but, okay, copy to copy holds on and says, bring me Space Explorers. So, Space Explorers is a brilliant, wonderful little engine-building game. You know, I mean, in the industry right now, what's it? What's the high water mark? A race for the Galaxy, Space Explorers. It exists in that same you know kind of milieu genre of playing cards to be able to um, you know get them together to activate a bunch of cards, and it works so smartly. And it's actually based on the real space race, um, you know the the golden era of of space, and um, yeah, I, I I think it's really really wonderful. It's I, I appreciate the focus on history. I appreciate the focus on not on the technology but on the people the roles that we're playing these cards uh, that allow our space agency to build up, and the engine building is absolutely stellar. If you've never heard of it, folks, again, there's a link for it down in the show notes. I'll go into more detail and my final thoughts for it. But for now... I, it's got to be Space Explorers because of these two, Copy the copy is a fairly aggressive in-your-face game, and I would choose to build up rather than tear you down. So it's Space Explorers. Okay, two new ones. All right, what have we got? We've got On Tour versus Tournay. All right, so the Tour versus Tour. I, this is totally random. I, I, there's no way this ranking system knows to actually put two dual games next to each other or two games with the word Tour in it, but somehow these face-offs keep happening. I love it. But Meeple ranking is, is fantastic. So, on tour versus tourinary. On tour for quite a while was my highest ranked roll and write game. It's a simple, brilliant, elegant little um, uh, system where every di- turn we're rolling dice and using those dice to determine, to help us build a route that represents the ideal tour uh, for my rock and roll band that I'm managing. And the more stuff you write on the board, the more. Crushing and painful, the roll results will get you because you kind of put yourself in a vice, and you always have to come up with really smart. Give your always hedge your bets, give yourself outs, and it's just awesome. Tournée is could also be called tois. The card game uh, because it's kind of like a simplified, streamlined version. Well, it's it's its own beast. It feels like Twa because it's from the same artist and the same design group. But and and um, but it is a game all about building up your own uh, little perfect city of Twa, paying grabbing the right cards, putting them adjacent to each other. Cards uh, trigger activations amongst other cards. It's absolutely fantastic and sadly not very well known. And if I could only own one of these. Um, I would take A because it's a deeper, richer game. That's uh, no slide on tour, which is beautiful as well, but it's got to go to A. Dungeon Pets versus Valparaiso. Okay, Dungeon Pets uh is a, an incredibly crunchy, one of the crunchiest worker placement games I think that has ever come out. And the beautiful thing about it is we're, we're um, a family of imps running our own little Dungeon Pet store, trying to raise... Cute little critters uh, to to healthy adulthood, so that we can sell them and uh, introduce them. You know, you know, put them in a uh, a pet contest. You know, like kind of Crufts or whatnot uh, for for these cute little monsters and. Uh, There's so many brilliant things about this design. The simultaneous worker deployment worker placement system and the way that the pets have personalities and they grow and they change and we always have to meet their needs and sometimes we can anticipate what they need and sometimes we can't and it's so brilliant. Versus Valparaiso. Uh, Is this from Fabio Lapiano? Um, This is a more recent game that is... uh, Oh, oh, oh. I had to go look. I want to see if it's Fabiola Piano. No, it's not. It's the Maltzes, uh, father-son design team. And it is a uh, programming game where every round, we're, we're trying to you know, build up the countryside around Valparaiso. And we're trying to... like, Oh my gosh! These are programming games. These are games where we make all our plans for the round secretly and then reveal at the same time. Again, two games of the same core idea face off against each other. Wow, that's crazy. Anyway, Valparaiso is really, really cool. Um, An incredibly satisfying game. One that I have kept happily on my shelf. But at the end of the day, it can't... I mean, my wife would never forgive me if I ever got rid of Dungeon Pets. Um, And Valparaiso is smart. Again, follow the links down in the show notes. I'll dig down what makes it so great, but I gotta give it to Dungeon Pets. But then Valparaiso sticks around to go up against Carnegie. And uh, Carnegie is a more recent game um, from uh, Javier George, one of the designers of Trois, which I just talked about a little bit ago, very briefly. And Carnegie is a... It's a really brilliant game that's not about Carnegie, uh, but it is about industrialists of that era, and it, try, uh, it is a game where, hey, we're trying to build up our industry through an incredibly brilliant worker management system, We have to decide, do we keep our workers in our home office that we're building up and creating new departments, or do we move them out into the field so they can do stuff for us? And managing that flow of where our workers are is so cool. And, um, and then it's all towards the goal of not just amassing wealth, but um, giving away our wealth. That's how you ultimately score points, by investing in back in society, which is you know, the underlying message that I'm sure Andrew Carnegie would like us to focus on in terms of his legacy. And that's certainly what this game focuses on. While, um, so, all right. So, wow. Here's the deal. I think I'm going to shock people give it to Valparaiso because uh, my biggest problem with Carnegie is Carnegie is probably the better design overall, but um, it's, uh, you know, the, the tiles you could get that determine what you're going to be, um, uh, how you're going to build out your, your home office, they're kind of a bit repetitive. I mentioned this when I covered it, that it needs more stuff. Now, Carnegie is getting an expansion this year. And when that expansion shows up, I think that's going to bump Carnegie up significantly in my rankings. But as it is, I would say Valparaiso has, for gens in my taste, more replay value baked in. So I'm going to go for Valparaiso. Okay, then we got Kashgar. Kashgar, Merchants of the Silk Road versus St. Petersburg. Okay, two engine building games, St. Petersburg and OG Engine Builder versus Koshkar, a more recent one. Koshkar is actually its kind of like a deck building game where you're building three decks simultaneously. And every turn, you're adding cards to one of these three decks, and you're activating cards in a preset motion. It's kind of like a deck builder where you know exactly the order of all the cards in the deck. You're going to play them in order, but you're trying to coordinate three different decks simultaneously. And it's brilliant. Versus St. Petersburg, which is a more traditional Traditional engine building game where we're investing our rubles to um, get different cards, stack them on top of existing cards, so certain types of actions we can do become stronger and stronger and stronger, so that we can get more money, so we can get more cards, and you know, uh, you know, create this really powerful feedback loop. Both brilliant designs, but at the end of the day, Saint Petersburg is. Again, a bit more traditional. It's a bit more straightforward. It's a bit more on the surface. Kashgar, with that three different separate engines trying to keep synchronized is so brilliant. I would have to give it to that. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, But then it's St. Petersburg up against Teotihuacan, City of the Gods. And now, if we were just talking base Teotihuacan, I'd probably give it to St. Petersburg uh, because the game is just about flawless. It's, a, it's just about perfection in design format. It's a simpler, more streamlined game, and I just can't fault anything. Teotihuacan, City of the Gods, when it, the base game came out, It's a bigger game. It's a more robust game. It's a rondelle dice worker placement game with, uh, you know, uh, you're spinning a dozen different plates at once. It's a huge, complex beast of a game. But um, I had some problems with Teotihuacan and the way it worked uh, in terms of, you know, some of its core design elements kind of work against itself. And now here's the deal. An expansion came out that fixed that, but it didn't fix it the way I want it. And then another expansion is coming out, or maybe it's already come out, and I haven't played it yet, that I believe fixes it in an even better way. And so here's the deal. If I were judging Teotihuacan, it's actually the new um, deluxe Teotihuacan City of the Gods that fundamentally changed this core rule of how worker bumping works to try to finally make it work for me and Jen. I haven't played it, though. I don't have that. I've got regular Teotihuacan. So... In the back of my mind, I've still got this, based on what I have, I'm not quite sure, where St. Petersburg is just about perfection. So if I could only own one or the other, having not gotten a chance to try the new version of Teotihuacan uh, update that you know makes the, the bumping much more interesting, I'm going to go with perfection. I'm going to go with St. Pete. Okay, then we've got Madeira versus Warsaw City of Ruins. Warsaw City of Ruins was previously called just Capitals, I believe, but then it changed with a reprint to be War- Warsaw City of Ruins. Uh, Madeira is an incre- is one of the crunchiest, heaviest, uh, most complex games we own. Often, we will run into games that we, well, we love a big, heavy, complex thing, but if it gets too much, if it pushes us too far, we're like, oh... And I'll be honest, Madeira is right on the hairy edge of that. Plus, Madeira has kind of a mean streak. It is about building up the... Is it the Portuguese island of Madeira. And uh, so we're, we're spreading our influence out onto the different regions of Madeira. But the, the core thing that drives it is this really, really cool worker placement system where I send workers out to activate them, to do whatever it is, you know, harvesting resources, converting them, building, uh, hiring people, all the kind of stuff you would expect in a euro. But the thing is, I place those workers out now knowing that later on, I will have to pay them. But I don't have to. I can instead, Welch. I can instead not pay them and incur penalties, but um, if you incur more penalties than me, I don't particularly care. So there's this whole extra layer of worker placement awesomeness that is wo- woven into this game that I really, really appreciate. Versus Warsaw City of Ruins, which for the long time was my highest ranked tile laying game of all time. It is one of those tile laying city building games that is incredibly tight and dense and really challenging because you're building in a tiny area, but in this game you can also lay your tiles up. You can build up in addition to out and the interesting thing is because it tells the whole history of Warsaw and you know you see Warsaw growing and changing and um, you know becoming more uh, technologically modern as the game goes on. But there are moments when Warsaw gets hit by World War One and World War II. And you know these moments are coming and you're planning for it because you know portions of your city are going to be ripped apart by those world wars. And then you have to rebuild after it. And I really think that that uh, adds this extra level of uh, of strategy to the game. And so I think I'm going to give it to Warsaw because while Madeira is great, like I said, it is on the hairy edge of being too rich and too complex for me and Jen. If I can only own one, it's got to be one of the greatest tile layers of all time, Warsaw. But then we get Madeira versus Pergamon. Pergamon is a very interesting game. It's an archaeology simulation where um, there are a bunch of tiles out there that are various depths and we need to invest more to get to the deeper ones and we it's I, would you call it a push your luck game it's a game where everybody is simultaneously gonna decide how to deploy their archaeologists and try to anticipate okay am I gonna am I gonna get muscled out for what I want to go because somebody else beats me to the punch um, or am I gonna be strong and hope I get there and am' I gonna be able to roll with those punches and ultimately all towards set collection of getting these ancient archaeological things so that is interesting. Again, and this one's tougher for me. I will be honest. This is a tough enough one, folks, that I think this is where I'm going to call it we are done. And, uh, folks, I think I got through quite a few more uh, games in this than I have done in previous episodes, and I see we're only 30 minutes in, so let me know. What do you think? Hopefully, this kind of hits the right mark. It's enough depth, but not too much depth. There's links if you want more depth. Folks, I'm always looking for feedback, trying to give you what you want out of the ranking while still making it possible for me to continue going. But anyway, folks, that is it. Thank you uh, very much for watching. We'll be back in two more weeks with episode 12 of the ranking perhaps adjusted based on your feedback once again. And in the meantime, if this is the first one you've seen, what about the first 10 episodes? You can hit that big old box right there in the center of the screen and um, enjoy me, um, you know, waffling and having very, very tough decisions about, I gosh, I must have done over 100 games now. And uh, I've really been enjoying it. I think everybody else has been enjoying it. And so there's plenty more for you to dig in right there. And also, while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and like and... Bell and all of that stuff. Uh, anyway, folks, have a nice day. Talk to you later. Song. So bye bye.